You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. This is Live from the Table, the official podcast of New York's world-famous Comedy Cellar. Coming at you on Sirius XM 99 Raw Dog and on the Riotcast Podcast Network, Dan Natterman here with Noam Dwarman, the owner of the Comedy Cellar. And yes, the Comedy Cellar still exists and it will be back doing shows, hopefully, within the months ahead. Periel Ashenbrand, the producer is here and we have as our guest... The great James Altucher, he's done the show several times. James is a former hedge fund manager. He is the writer of the best-selling uh, book, Choose Yourself. He is part owner of Stand Up New York Comedy Club, and most notably, he wrote an article that has gone viral about the future of the city of New York. The future is grim, according to James Altucher. Welcome, James, once again. You guys. Well, well, James, you James, so James. Yeah. Before, before you get into it, can I give you some late breaking news you might not have seen? Yes, always. I don't know if you can see it. The headline is, it was just sent to me by my friend Harry Enton. New York State rules bans ticketed music events at bars. I, I saw this. I cannot believe how so they let, keep pouring me, it on. Yeah, so let me just read it. So, uh, uh, the new regulations... Uh, says all other forms of live entertainment, such as exotic dancing, comedy shows, are not permissible currently, regardless of phase. Regardless of phase, meaning that even phase four. And I mean, I'm fucking, I've been pretty patient through this whole thing, but now I'm, I'm getting mad because we spent a lot of money relying on the previous regulations. And I'm talking, I don't know, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 the previous regulation said, said um, there is no specific prohibition of outdoor or indoor on-premises live music or entertainment exclusively for customers, blah, 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 blah. This was the explicit regulation. So, of course, you go, buy, you go around and you start spending the money in order to get ready for it. Uh, 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 hands-free toilets, hands-free sinks, door opening, new lights, plexiglass shield, plexiglass partitions. I mean, I mean you name it, right? And then... They dropped this. Fuck them already, right? So anyway, so go ahead, James. So maybe you're right. So you wrote an article saying what? No, so, so and I almost regret the article just because it's engendered so much hate that people in denial have, have kind of aimed all of their hate and anguish towards me, and it's been, it's been brutal the past few days. But I basically said, look, New York City is like a slingshot. You pull it back, we bounce back stronger. But if you pull a slingshot back too much, it's gonna break. And here's what's happened. You, you, you know, the average restaurant, for instance, only had 16 days of cash on hand in February. Now we're closed down five months and 30 to 50% of the restaurants in New York City are already out of business. But that's not it. All the store, all the all the companies, you know, you have big companies like J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, Google, many more. They're all going remote. Nobody's coming back to the offices. You look at, at Midtown or any office space in New York, it's all the buildings are 80 to 90 percent empty right now. And that's these are just two factors. You have 
uh, record high vacancies. There's there's 13,000 vacancies, the highest ever in New York City. But guess what? It's going to be about 400, 500,000 once we start getting evictions, once people don't go back to colleges. There's 600,000 college students not coming back in the fall. So all of these things added up, and I, I listed more things, but whatever. All of these, thing, these things added up. There's a big problem. They're not coming back so fast and deficits in New York City are going up. We're paying for health care, social services, all these things that New York City is, is good at, but the deficits are going up. The revenues are going down because you can't get, collect taxes from people who move away. You can't collect taxes from the offices that close down. You can't collect taxes from the 7,000 restaurants that are going to close. And what's the math doesn't add up. That's and it's not like, oh, just wait a semester, just wait six months, Broadway will open back up. No, every people don't wait around. Everyone leaves. And that's exactly, it's not me suggesting they leave. Everyone has left. 420,000 New Yorkers have left since March and more are going to leave now that you have rules like this, new rules every single day. You can't operate a business no one wants no one comes here for 38 dollar avocado toast for breakfast we come here for for business for opportunities for culture for friendship and all of that's going away right now so james first i'd like to say that i was horrified by the amount of hatred that has been uh, brought your way i mean you were entitled to state your predictions without people shooting the messenger I wasn't even stating predictions. I was stating the facts, just like I stated here. But you're also now, stating predictions because you were saying that even once COVID, say COVID is cured and there's a vaccine and it's a good vaccine and it works, you still don't think that New York is going to bounce back. Because, because the problems I just mentioned have nothing anymore to do with the virus. The virus was obviously real. It's done its job. It's still here. But these problems now, the, the economy is different from the virus. These problems now are economic. We've all seen many of our employees, whether at the cellar or Stand Up New York or other businesses I'm involved in, they've all gone remote. We've all seen our neighbor move. We've all seen stores that we know and love close down. Restaurants, all of our favorite restaurants, my guess, have closed down, or at least some of them have closed down. We've all seen, you know, rules like this made today. Five over five months after the lockdown, just arbitrarily. There's there's two points here, James. The point one is is obviously New York cannot function in the pandemic. There's going to be restrictions on everything. The second point is is will it come back once the pandemic is done? But let me ask you a question. Your Broadway. Let's say a Broadway show closes down because Broadway's not opening up till at least March of next year, maybe even longer. So you're you're at a show. How does broad, how does a Broadway show stay in business? How do the the actors keep jobs? How do the 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 ecosystem, the the unions, the labor, the stagehands, how do they keep jobs? How do the restaurants around Broadway, how do they stay open? Their entire business was filling up on Wednesdays and Saturdays for Broadway. How do how do and I hate to ask it, how do the investors of these productions uh, stay in business or trust the next production? How do the landlords, how do the the union employees what what do they do, Dan? They well, wait. Uh, yeah, I, can I? Well, I don't want to interrupt ahead, answer no. any thoughts. So I have a lot of questions, but can we can we can we go to the end first, and then I want to go back to go through really step by step everything you laid out. So New York, twenty twenty two. 
do you see the Statue of Liberty uh, buried in the beach in Charlton Heston? <laughs> Damn you! What, what do you see as, as New York City uh, in 2022? How would you describe it? Well, I think no it's Broadway, great... no restaurants, no what? what, what no, I, I think all of these things come back. But I mean, it's not like 4,000 restaurants are going to go out of business and every, everyone's going to suddenly wake up and say, man, this is my chance now to open up my dream, a pizza restaurant in the middle of New York, because you don't know if it's going to get closed down again. You don't know if you're going to go out of business. It's expensive to go through all the regulation and licensing. And, and then you might go out of business a month later if, the, if there's a third wave or second wave or whatever. So where, where do I see it? I see it one, one tenth of where it is now, not to mention a collapse. One tenth? You, you mean that number, seriously, not hyperbolically, one tenth? Yeah, I mean, I, will 90% of restaurants go out of business? No, but you're going to see a lot of businesses, a lot right now, Midtown Manhattan, which is fully open for office workers, is 90% empty. There's there, the, all the people who, you know, 90% of the pe people who would have worked there in February are not there right now. And that's because of remote and it's because of companies worried about coronavirus and liability. But the remote thing, people say, oh, New York's always come back. There's something very different now, which is that even take 2008. This is wait, wait, don't, I want you to answer my question first. Don't go. I really want to, I really want to actually get, I don't, I mean, I don't, I, I'm trying to nail you down because not because I'm trying to be antagonistic. Because sure, I really no, want to no, I appreciate it. Exactly. Like what will, like, like New York's population is what, 8 million now, approximately yeah, New York City. Yeah. What, what do you expect? You don't expect it to be 1 million. What, what do you expect it to be? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I can't say. I would say somewhere between half a million and a million less than it is now which okay. is significant. so we've been we've been half a million to a million less than we've been now i believe in our history uh i i don't know i don't know if you've had a, a, a yeah. i don't know if new york city when i say you i was born in new york city i grew up and lived around here all my life I've lived here since 1994 i don't know if we've had a a, a 15 percent drop and then okay if we've had that before then i'll say two million i'm not i don't know to make a prediction all i know is the math right now is is broken even in the 70s, you didn't really have a significant drop. Even in 2008, you didn't have a significant drop. 9-11, I live two blocks away from the World Trade Center. I can tell you there was no drop. But now there's a drop because, and there's a reason. It's because you have, we're doing this show on Zoom and I'm seeing you guys in perfect videos if you're here. Bandwidth okay. has never been like this before. So I, so I looked it up, you're, you're correct. I, I was exaggerating, but I'm not totally off. Citywide, there were uh, eight eight point one million people in two thousand ten. I, be, I I believe it's higher now, um, but so let's say it's eight point five, whatever. But uh, in nineteen forty, there were seven and a half million. So we we what we you know gone up by a million. I okay, would, I'm guessing. Okay, my guess yeah. is though the deficit has grown a lot faster than the population, and what you're going to have now is the sharpest drop in tax revenues. Ever. Don't forget, 1% of New York City delivers 40% of the tax revenues of New York City. Meanwhile, we're billions more in deficit than, than de Blasio expected. And I'm not pointing any fingers or blame. It just is what it is. But that's, that's fractured. The city does need to, to pay for health care. It needs to pay for its universities. It needs to pay for social services, of which New York City is well known for. 
we, you know, in commercial real estate owners, they're heavily in debt. That means all the buildings are going to end up bankrupt or in litigation, which means people can't work. Everyone says, oh, let let the rich people go. This is a rich pe person problem. It's not actually. Rich people just pick up and go. They've already left. It, this is a problem of all the workers who worked in offices, who worked on Broadway, who worked in the, the four to 7,000 restaurants that will close. I think it's an interesting Seriously. question if we can just zone in a little bit on the, on the point you made about Zoom and about bandwidth. Sure. How important is it for people to work in physical proximity with each other? Now, we've always had tech, phone, we've had conference, the humble conference call has been around for a long time. Video conferencing is not brand new. We, it is better now, I'll grant you that. So, so but, but even given all that, uh, how important is it for productivity and for psychological health to work in physical proximity with each other? Look, uh, it's a great question. And this is, I mean, Zoom has added something like 400 million new users in the past five months. So we don't really know the answer. Dan, this, the, as you say, it, it's not new, but it is new. Be 400, for 400 million people now, it, it's brand new. You have no choice now, but... Wait, wait. You know, but, you know. but companies now, I would say companies would encourage employees to come back but companies now are very unsure about a their liabilities if someone comes back and gets coronavirus that is a very unclear issue and they're nervous about it and and if they realize oh my gosh if we don't need to rent you know six of seven floors in the time life building we're going to save so much more on cost. employees weren't really that productive anyway <laughs> even in the office we're going to save so much money um by having everybody be remote and you know what? People aren't complaining. Some people want to go to the office, but other people want to move to Phoenix, Arizona, or Dallas, or South Carolina, wherever they want to move. People are moving now, and they're getting New York salaries, but in cheaper locations. But the news is not all bad, and that this is a later point, but opportunity is going to get more dispersed throughout the country than it currently is. Right now, opportunities in New York City or L.A. or San Francisco. But companies are not anxious to have employees back. Again, Citigroup, JP Morgan, Google, Twitter, they've all said employees indefinitely are not coming back. Morgan Stanley, employees indefinitely not coming back. So, and these are just a handful of companies. Hundreds of companies have said no, that. No, what's your sense? And obviously you can't run a comedy club in a restaurant by Zoom, but what's your sense about say a law firm? Do we need all the associates in the office writing their legal memos? Um, you know, meeting with clients. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think you need to meet with clients, but I think that it's, uh, they're going to find uh, very quickly that having a bunch of people on the honor system all over their homes with their wives and kids running around and not being able to easily talk to each other and not socialize and not go out to lunch together. And, um, is, is not going to be any kind of uh, optimal uh, or way of organizing. That's what I, I think. I, I agree it's not optimal, but what will end up happening is, is that uh, the cost savings will make up for the less than optimal. And now people won't be, maybe, maybe there'll be one week a month, hey, you have to come into the office, or maybe there'll be two days a week. Because companies, you can be sure, Noam, if, if we're getting these rules like you just read, uh, just on the last minute here and the rules are changing every day they're going to force companies to do rotation of employees only two days a week they're going to force office buildings to be only at 25 percent capacity like they don't want to they don't want to 
you know, suddenly have a spike again, and then everybody accuses them. Ah, look, you guys. Uh, okay, so, so let me. So we got. I want to be more systematic here. So we we got to talk about two worlds here. One world is COVID is always is on. You know, always is still a risk. We're between waves. We're not sure. We don't have. You know that, and that will always. And that's one world. And the other world is there is no more COVID. We have a vaccine, and and we're done with it. And you know, and the, and then the question is what. That's changed because of COVID will stay, and what will begin to revert. And I and I think right. you're right that that um certain there'll be less need for some office space. And we've been in a transition period with retail space as well. So you know, but that immediately makes me wonder: is this unique to New York, or is this every city? That- I would say it's every first tier city. Okay, L.A., San Francisco, Chicago, New York. London. It's every first tier city, but New York is going to be especially hit hard because, you, and San Francisco perhaps, but you know, New York is the, 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 the financial industry and the media industry. And those are two industries where you really don't need to be in the office. They, they are sending all of their employees remote. I'm sure you both, everybody here knows people who have picked up and moved. We've all seen Facebook status updates like, well, I never thought the day would arrive, but after 25 years in New York, I'm finally moving. We've all seen those status updates. Oh, so, yeah, so, let's, so let's go. By the way, I, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see people uh, 18 to 45 wanting to work and uh, from home never and just never get out of the house. I, 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 I just can't see that. I agree. Um, young people, by the way, are not going to leave, and young people will move in. Yes. So, so wait, 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 wait. Let's go through it. You said four hundred twenty thousand people have left New York. I think that's what you said. Right, but that those aren't necessarily permanently. Some of okay, them will turn right. to permanent. But we all know the the Hamptons people who who yeah. didn't wait out the pandemic and they they left and brought coronavirus to the Hamptons and whatever. Screw them. So but, we don't actually know. Those are just people of means who've said, why the fuck do I want to stay here closed down? Let me go someplace where there's some, uh, some grass and, and seawater if I'm going to be doing nothing. Right, but I'll, I'll take a, a random example. There was a Facebook group I saw the other day called Into the Unknown. It was for people getting ready to move and they're asking for advice from each other. It got to around 9,000 members in two days after it opened up. And you know that's, of course, just a percentage of people who had even heard of that group. So these are people in Manhattan or New York City, picking up and moving. That's an enormous number considering 13,000 vacancies currently is an all-time record. And again, that doesn't even count the vacancies we're gonna experience when not every student comes back to college or when not every employee comes back after coronavirus is over. I mean, again, the reason I disconnected from the coronavirus is because it's already happened. Like Broadway's already been shut for five months and we know it's gonna be shut till March. Who is waiting around? Some people will leave. Some people will pick up and, and where, where things left off. But there's also structurally, there's, there's legal agreements, there's evictions, there's bankruptcy. Okay, okay, stop at evictions. That's because this is, everything you say, I'm playing devil's advocate, but I, sure. everything you say kind of implies a, a static situation. So, why would anybody pursue evictions when they know they have no tenants coming in behind? I don't know, but I I see people waiting around for, to pursue evictions. Like yeah, I think they're bluffing. 
That could be. That could be. And I hope you're right. But they, well, the they have to. I mean, not every single one of them, but like what, 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 you only evict if the opportunity cost of keeping this tenant is, is you know, too high. Uh, and you, and that's only, you can only think that if you can rent it out to somebody else. If you so, can't, you make a deal. So, so let's say, let's say you're 100% right. Let's say there's zero evictions, which I'm taking an extreme. Yeah, there won't be. Well, one in four people right now haven't paid rent in residential apartments between March and now, you know, during this eviction moratorium. So at the very least, there is lost revenues to, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of landlords, not to mention the fact that their tenants have been in trouble because they haven't been able to pay rent. This, again, all leads to loss of revenues throughout the city, loss of uh, tax base revenues at the exact same time that deficits are skyrocketing. So you're going to have the next several years having a, a reduction, a massive reduction in city services, not to mention the bankruptcies and so on that are occurring just because of what has already occurred, not even making a prediction about the future. Yeah, well, I, I agree with that. We might have that. I mean, of course, you just expect that there's going to be a big bailout from Washington, uh, especially if Biden wins. Yeah, no, I, I agree. If Biden wins, there's going to be a big and, and look, even if Trump wins, the Trump, New York is a city. It's an unusual situation for a Republican. So either way, I think there should be some help after the election. But what what does the help do? They're not like the most effective at giving help, for instance. And, you know, what are they going to do? Give it to the mayor. And what's the mayor going to do with it? Is he going to pay everyone's rent? That gets complicated. So maybe that does happen. But but again, already the restaurants have gone out of business. Already the companies have said remote now forever. Already people have moved who were high up people at those companies, the people involved in hiring and making these decisions. So a lot of things have happened already, even if nothing new happens from here on out. Well, let me ask you a question because you understand finances and I don't. But in the 2008 crisis, a lot of money went up in smoke, mortgages, values of property, whatever it was. That to me seems like maybe it's analogous to a bunch of uncollected rents. Essentially, the, the value of these has gone yes. up in smoke and the banks are going to you know, have to eat or, 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 or bring down their mortgages or make deals, whatever it is. But we did come back from 2008. We, 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 we managed all that loss in money and value and it built back up. Well, well don't forget, though, they did give an enormous – right now they're giving – you know, the, the stimulus package has been focused on uh, individuals, on unemployment insurance, as it should be on industries all throughout the country. 2008 was very specifically about banks and bailing out banks. Each bank got a $20 billion check from the government, plus mm -hmm. benefits from the Federal Reserve, negative interest rates from the Federal Reserve, which means they got money all throughout for years from the Federal Reserve. And at the time, there was no Zoom, the bandwidth, the average bandwidth per user was two and a half megabits a second. We're going along right now here at about 300 megabits per I, I, second. I got it. I, 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 just, I, got, I think I just realized what, is, what I'm having trouble with. I think you're saying two different things at once, and, I'm not, and I think that um, they need to be handled differently, and I'm not sure they're connected. If the Zoom revolution has changed fundamentally the desire or the necessity of people to live in New York City, then New York City is doomed, even if it's rolling in dough. People don't want to be there. They don't want, they don't want or need to be there. They're not going to be there. If they want to be in New York, 
then the financial thing will just have to work itself out. But so long as people do want to be working in New York and need to be working in New York, that will pass. It has to pass. Uh, well, so one is really not related to the other. Well, well, well no, it's you're, related you're, you're, in one sense is that one thing that the pandemic has done is it's gotten people used to working from home that they might have not been even thought about it before. But they're not related. What I'm saying right. is that if, if, if New York's finances are, the, if New York goes bankrupt, but everybody still wants to live and be in New York City, it will just ripple through the system somehow and eventually will come out of the other end of it. But if, no, but if nobody wants to be in New York or needs to be in New York anymore, then even if, we're, even if we have a huge surplus right now, eventually we're fucked. I mean, so, so, so yeah. let me, let me I, I agree they're disconnected, and, but, but they're also connected in, in an interesting way, which is that the, the virus has accelerated everything that would have happened eventually. So yeah. let's say remote was a trend that was going to happen over 15 years, and now it's happening over six months. That is not enough for New York City to buffer itself. And on top of that, you have the restaurants out of business, Broadway. Oh, How do you know business. the restaurants are really out of business? That's what I wanted to ask. Well, you. well, okay. First off, you just see it walking around at least the Upper West Side and Upper East Side. And what do you see? Because I haven't been around. I, I see some stores. You, ha you still have the signs, hey, we'll open up when we can. But many of my favorite stores, restaurants, whatever, uh, are for lease. Like, you know, the Caridad, the, the place yeah, across yeah, yeah. From, out of business. Uh, they didn't have to go out of business. They could have waited for another stimulus, but just out of business. It's every other restaurant on the Upper West Side is out of business. Yelp, Yelp has said up to 50% of their restaurant customers are out of business. Now, that doesn't necessarily translate to 50% in New York City. I think it'll be a little less in New York City, but it will be enough that hundreds of thousands of jobs will be affected. Tourism is affected. You know, obviously cultural centers closed means tourism is affected, which is a major source of revenues. So why do, you think, why, do, why do you think they're out of business? I, I, I don't know. How do you think that happened? I mean, usually you go out of business when the bill collectors uh, are at your, are at your door or the well, landlord or eviction. But you know what? That's a great question. Yeah. I, I like you and I both probably got PPP loans for our storefront businesses. I actually don't know the answer to that question. I just see, yeah. I just see what is the, the signs for lease on, on, on every other place. And I see what Yelp says, and I see the GoFundMes where the employees are not getting paid, and, and so they set up the GoFundMes. I, you know, it's just, I don't really, to be honest, I'm surprised at how many restaurants I've just personally seen are out of business. But something doesn't okay. ring, I mean, something I mean, is fishy about all that to me. Like, but I mean, but it, it, those are the numbers are there. Yeah. Uh, uh, Perry, you say what? I just, I don't see New York City not coming back in some fascinating way. I mean, the MoMA's not going to close. The artists and the actors and the comics and the theater and the bars and everything and the grit and the glam and the young creative people, I mean... There's no fucking way that this city is going to be obliterated forever. I mean, I, I, I agree. Young people, like it's a, people are going to move here. Young people are going to move here. Uh, you know, people in their twenties are going to move here. It's exciting. It'll be a different type of culture. And it's going to be affordable again. I mean, you know, one of the things I was born in New York and I've lived in New York on and off my entire life. 
Uh, me too. And, you know, one of the things that you hear people like us talk about and lament all the time is that it's gotten so unaffordable for the very people who have always made New York so interesting. I, I agree. Like, look, it's not like we're going to be washed into the water, but there's going to be a major problem, which is that New York City is not going to be able to afford afford itself. So does that mean bankruptcy? Does that mean some kind of bailout? Again, what kind of pause happens because so many stores, restaurants are either bankrupt or remote? What happens to the artistic community if after a year of closure, people finally start to go away? Do people invest in the next wave of productions for, for Broadway or, or does that I mean, change? The culture changes. going to go away, right? Eventually, whether it's a year or nine or whatever it is, eventually COVID will pass, right? I'm, ass I'm assuming even in all of this that it's just gone now. I'm just assuming that. And I'm just working with the data right now, which is why it's hard to make predictions. But just looking at the data now, you can see already New York City can't afford its expenses. And colleges, I mean, colleges just in the past week went all completely remote in New York City. They weren't a week ago, and now they are. We just got the message today, indoor, you know, c comedy, you know, dancing, all these things indefinitely closed or, or until further notice. I think so, no one, hey, James, you want to buy a comedy club? <laughs> I was, I was going to ask you the same question. <laughs> I think that Noam had essentially the right idea. Short term, I don't think anyone can argue. Uh, that New York is, has some challenges ahead. Long term, I think it all comes down to what Noam was saying. Do people want to be here? Is there a need for large cities? I think is a question that's relevant to this discussion. What, why do large cities exist? They exist because people want to be in proximity to each other because it's more efficient for people to work yes. in buildings because, it, you know, the cultural aspects of it. If there's still a need for cities, Despite Zoom, Zoom, Zoom might, we don't know what effect Zoom is going to have on, I guess, on office work, but people still want to live in a city environment. You're not going to have, you, like, for example, just the comedy. Let's just take the comedy world, for example, where you can go to the comedy cellar and Dave Chappelle drops in and Chris Rock drops in. That can simply cannot happen. You're, you're absolutely right. Anywhere New else. I'm not saying the population of New York City vaporizes i'm just saying but that I'm saying the utility of a city is is that you have a, a hundred world famous comics that all live here that might stop by your club or gnomes club well for, first off some comedians have already moved out maybe not a lot but i've seen comedians move from la to all across new york city to all across i know com well-known comedians who are working for grubhub right now delivering food like the infrastructure wasn't there to support artistic endeavors like this. It was for the high end, not for low end. But again, it's going to be a younger audience. There's not going to be as many jobs, so you can't move here. As Perry said, you, 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 things have to be much more affordable. It's going to take a while for that to happen because the buyers of buildings spent a lot of money. So things it's going to take a while for things to really become more affordable. I would also add that in, in, a, in an increasingly environmentally conscious world, cities are the most environmentally uh, clean ways to live, you know, because you can walk to the store, you can walk everywhere. We, I mean, 
per person, we our carbon footprints are lower than they would be where you yeah, are. Yeah, but you I don't five ten miles to go to the grocery store. But, but nobody makes a living decision based on that. Sure, no, but also yeah. to Noam's yeah. point, like yeah. I, I think that. Sorry, I think that the creative people and the people who are really the heart and soul of the city are dying to get back to doing what they do and because they love it. And I agree. I, I am dying also. Like, it's not pleasant that these comedy clubs are closed. It's, it's horribly unpleasant. None of this is unpleasant. None of this is what I want. None of this am I recommending. Oh, my God. No, I'm not for oh, one no, but the, You have to understand James's point is that uh, it's not all or none. If, if one or two out of ten people doesn't resume their previous life but simply maintains the life that they've taken up during COVID, 10 or 20% is a drastic a drastic effect on the the on on New York City, and it's going to have all sorts of repercussions, financial and otherwise. And we don't know how that, and, and maybe that will allow another twenty percent to just move in and start afresh, or maybe they'll never come back. Right? You don't you don't know. It'll still be New York City. I, I don't I don't think I don't see the doom that James's article predicted, but it's certainly not crazy. Well, well, what, what is the doom that I am really saying? I'm really saying, you know, business won't come back. So that means lots of jobs will be lost. Some culture will be gone because you can't support uh, cultural productions forever with, with a lot of uncertainty. So it's going to transform. But the big factor is, is that New York City won't be able to afford itself. It will require some sort of bailout. It will require new leadership, which is not really happening for another year and a half at least. Okay. Uh, now, hold on a second, James. The headline of your piece, and maybe you didn't write the headline, is New York City is dead forever. Yes. Pretty that doesn't, now you don't sound like dead forever now. You sound like New York City will be limping forever. That would, that's like that. Or there will well, be substantial oh, changes and let's wait and see. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm defining death as the, the New York City that was steadily growing and, and building and and thriving is is gone forever it's it's and by forever that's that could be 10 years it could be 20 years i don't know it's hard to make a prediction like that to, to perry's point young people will move in they're not going to have jobs at first so they're going to have to figure that out and maybe it the remote aspect of jobs now is going to help them so who knows i think that's unpredictable we do know that new york's finances are going to turn upside down and we know that many people have already left and many more people will be leaving and many restaurants, storefronts, cl you know, clothing stores, production, you know, uh, cultural uh, things, uh, uh, big corporations, small corporations, they're going to be going or changing. This is this is what we know right now. These are like the, this is like the facts right now. Where does that lead? It's not like everyone's just waiting for COVID to go away. It, it's already fractured. People have already left. And so, does that get bigger? Even if it doesn't get more. It's still fractured. We're, we're still not going to be able to pay for New York City's, you know, great resources. Oh fuck! All right, <laughs> but I don't mean to be depressing because, in the sense, <laughs> in the sense, it, uh, nationwide, it does mean people are going to realize that opportunity is going to be a lot more dispersed across the country. Now, I'm a New Yorker. I live in New York. I have a comedy club. You have a comedy club. We want things to be as good as possible. Maybe it means less competition will be good, 
Now, for restaurants, by the way, that's not the case. Less competition for restaurants is often bad because people move to where there's lots of restaurants. People move to where there's lots of theater. They, competition's good in some, in some places. But maybe for comedy clubs, it's different. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I mean, are there many comedy clubs as it is? I, I don't want less competition. No, um, look, look, look I mean, at Bleecker Street. You, you, you benefit, or you know, and McDougal. You benefit by so many comedy clubs around there. People go to the street for comedy, and then they pick. Whereas uh, Upper West I think Side, they benefit from us. Uh, they, we were there booming, and then they opened. But anyway, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, I think James is, is, but you're right. It, and it, but it probably does create an ecosystem. I, I shouldn't be so smart. And, and, and I don't want this to happen. This is yeah. the, this is the problem getting like, even my sister is like trashing me on Twitter. Like, I don't want this to happen. I've born here, been here all my life. You know, it's not good, but no, I, I, don't, I don't know. What, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. Sorry. Noam said, I think it's, it, your headline was a bit strong. You're entitled to it, but it seems like your headline is a lot stronger than what you're saying. Dead forever, and it is you know is a lot different than their challenges ahead. Well, we, well, how do you define dead forever? Because I don't think forever we can is Detroit. Is Philadelphia? I mean, not even Philadelphia. Dead forever. I mean, Atlantis. I guess. Oh, well, James, the, I don't know how you the possibility. James, I don't know how you define dead forever, but I know that there's nothing worse than dead forever. So if you're using the word dead, dead forever, that is the worst case scenario, almost by definition. And I don't think you're explaining a worst case scenario. But it makes a good headline. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I will say there is a path, an easy path to Detroit. I mean, Detroit at least had an industry that you had that you couldn't go remote, right? And that industry died in the financial crisis. Oh, it uh, went remote, but just yeah, <laughs> but to other people, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it went, com- it went overseas. Yeah. I mean, is there is there something that can be done? Do you think to well, in James's scenario, the people don't want to live here. They're not going to live here. So why would you try to save something that people don't want? Well, and well, if that's what no, if in other words, if if we don't need cities because of Zoom, because of people want fresh air and the country, and they want to work in front of their computer, then we don't need cities and let New York go the way of the horse and buggy. Okay, but now I'll play devil's advocate. I don't believe that's the case, by the way. But by the way, I don't believe that's the case either. But I think corporations combined with Zoom are making it the case. Because don't forget, they're not coming. They're not only are they protecting against COVID, but they're experiencing great cost reductions by having people go remote, and that's going to change as well as people's temperament about the the lifestyle. I agree. Younger people will move in. But I always get back to the question, at what point do we become so fractured that you can't pick up the pieces in the same way, that we can't put uh, uh, Broadway back together the way it was, that we can't put the restaurant industry or the financial industry or the media industry, you know, like for instance, book publishers. I was talking to, uh, you know, random editors working for my publisher. None of them ever need to go back to work again. They've, They've said, I've talked to people in pretty much every industry, as I'm sure you guys have also, they're enjoying life, many of them, working from home, or they've already left. I don't know if you know people have already left. I, I do. Listen, I don't know if this is, uh, if this is considered uh, some sort of uh, bigotry or this is actually insightful. I don't know, but I'm going to say it because it just occurred to me that when I was a kid, 
a lot of uh, a lot of the gay community in New York came from all over the country because they knew that in New York they could make a life for themselves. New York, New York had one of the only open, New York and San Francisco, the all open, and I'm sure that fueled Broadway and all kinds of stuff. But I wonder, it's interesting to me in a way now that thinking about it, now that homosexuality is so well accepted everywhere, might that also change things? Like you don't, you don't, need, you don't need to go to New York anymore. You, you can be happy in, in Podunk. This is why I think opportunity, for, and this is to the benefit of the country, I think opportunity is going to be decentralized in a way that it hasn't been before. I still agree cities are the place where ideas are exchanged. That's how innovation happens. But, you know, innovation can't happen if the cities go bankrupt and, and there's no jobs for young people and there's and education is, is cut off at the knees. Uh, it's just harder. So, yes, Dead forever was that strong? Yeah, I don't think the city's gonna sink into the ocean, but I do. Th I can't see a path to getting back to quote unquote a new normal. One thing is for sure: everything dies eventually, and New York is no exception. But I think I think it still has a couple of centuries left in it. It's been around since uh, 1620 or so. I think it'll last another couple centuries. So let me ask you guys. How, in good, in good health, I should. What, what's a path back? Just And I'm really thinking just technically in terms of these industries, in terms of being able to afford the services that are the reason many people do move to New York. What is? What do you think are solutions? Because I am thinking about solutions. I have a bunch of mayoral candidates coming on my podcast like I am thinking I, about I, I go back to what I said about 10 minutes ago the city will survive if people want to live here if people don't want to live here we can't force them to do so and let the city die because people no longer want it they no longer need it it's no longer necessary that, I well, obviously I think I think I think the solution the risk is that there's so many um, so many strings in place, contracts, unions, uh, 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 indexed wages, blah, 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 that the, the natural process of realignment and re, of innovation will struggle under, like for instance, we had this when COVID first hit, we were unable to close because there were so many rules about closing. Do you remember that? There were so many rules about closing my accounts and my lawyers like, no, no, you can't close. I'm like, I, don't, I want to close, people are going to get sick. But you have to comply with this, you have to comply with that, and you have to comply with that. So, you know, New York will become more affordable. Well, that if it's if it's more affordable, then that should might mean that well, people don't need the same high wages. So maybe if somebody wants to lower wages, that'll be fine because the standard of living will be won't be affected. But wait, there's a contract and there's a union. So the mayor is going to have to, I think, to make this work, he's gonna to have to be prepared to really cut a lot of regulation right now, zoning or yeah. whatever it might be, just to let things, to let water find its own level. Because all these rules are written based on a reality that doesn't exist anymore. And if this were the reality, they would have never been written. But no, isn't, isn't the major issue here just the structural, as you said earlier, is can Zoom replace? No, I, I, it'll replace some jobs. Pardon? The cre creative destruction? Is that that guy, Sh Sh Chopin something? Schopenhauer? I don't know. Creative, not Chopin. Creative. Um, but anyway, that New York is going to need, you're going to have to let, I saw the analogy of a kite. Like sometimes you got to, sometimes you got to keep the kite close to keep it in the air. But sometimes you just got to let the string out and, and just let it go. And I think they're going to have to find ways to let New York 
let the magic happen of the marketplace. I mean, New York is amazing. And what if what if there is no bailout? Because let's say New York City probably needs about ten billion dollars. What if what if there is no bailout? That what I, and this is honestly where I can't predict. Like I don't know what it looks like for New York City. I've, I was here in the '70s and it was horrible. And we already see crime shooting up. I don't even mention that in my article because I assume when COVID's over, Schumpeter, Joseph Schumpeter, Creative Destruction. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. So just, just I'm just trying to think like what is it? What does it look like if there's no bailout and everything? It it, it doesn't get worse, but but all of these things have already been happening. So you know, there's no, there's going to be much less in tax revenues. There's going to be much higher deficits. There's no bailout. What does that look like? It doesn't really look like the seventies. I mean, right now we're heading just in terms of the crime, we're, we're starting to head in that direction, but let's just say that even calms down and we're seeing, you know, policemen retire early. We're, we're seeing all sorts of things, but let's just say that all goes away. What does happen when you have a, a bankrupt city and, and a financial industry that doesn't return? I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know I, know, I know that Wall Street is responsible for a tremendous amount of the revenue of the city. And if it doesn't, and I don't know how that works. If people are living outside of the city, I don't know how that affects our actual, actual revenue from the industry. I don't know that stuff. You might have a feel for that. A lot of people, by the way, talking about, the, with glee about the rich leaving and now poor people can afford the city. The bottom line is, is if people want to live here, it's going to be expensive. Yeah. And, and the reality is the rich, if people, if the rich people don't want to live here. Your city sucks. There's well, never a great city. Necessarily pe people want to live there. And so necessarily rich people want to live there. I, I have a, I have a good friend. Uh, he, he listens to this podcast and he, he has some, you know, uh, 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 sayings uh, that are basically like business fortune cookie sayings that I sometimes don't, that I sometimes roll my eyes at, but he does have one that actually bears here, which is when was the last time a poor person gave you a job? You know, and, and I think there's a lot of truth that you get rid of all the rich. I mean, who, who exactly is going to pay your, your, your middle-class check? Somebody well, poor? And, exactly. And, and by the way, it's not like the rich are suffering in this. It's people who worked on Broadway. It's people who worked in the restaurants. It's people who worked on Wall Street who are not necessarily rich. It's people who worked in building maintenance. Yeah. James, what's, what's this future of your club, Stand Up New York, as you see it? You've been doing shows in the park, by the way, which I've done a couple, uh, microphone free because you need a permit, but still not bad. But in any case, where do you see the future of Stand Up New York, your club? I don't really know because, I mean, even if when things open, they're gonna say, 25% capacity. And as you guys know, on a Saturday night, you need to fill up capacity. You, you, you calculate your rent based on the fact that you assume you're going to fill up on Saturday and Friday nights. And, you know, I don't know what happens to any indoor dining place, any restaurant at when this is all said and done and all the bailouts are over and we're in this, you know, new world after this and, and people have, will they return to the same lifestyles? But if they, if they have to, or, or don't, or if there's rules, I don't know what happens to any place. It doesn't seem like they really care. Uh, it doesn't seem like they're really thinking about us when they make these decisions. They assume we'll figure it out and tread water or there's going to be a bailout. So, so let me, I'm thinking about what, what, so I had, a, I, when I had our website made years ago, we, I used a company called Blue Fountain Media. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Yeah. And they're like, they're like, a, I don't know if they're still around, but they were a very big internet design company. They had maybe 
40, 50 people in cubicles designing websites. And I would go in there and there was all sorts of bustle and activity there. This one would come to this cubicle, this one, that cubicle, hey, come over here, we take a look at this, you know. And I'm trying to imagine how that could possibly work, even in, in an industry which is already at computers, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, don't think it actually could. They still no, need to be in the same room. I, I don't know. I mean, collaboration software for companies like that have uh, gone through 20 generations in the past year. Like it's enormous what, what Slack, Microsoft Teams, Maybe you're right. Discord, uh, all these companies can, can do. Monday.com I use. Uh, uh, there, there's so many collaboration tools. Many companies are, have been fully remote. Uh, I'm involved in several companies with 100 plus employees where it's all remote now and People are, are fine. What kind of companies? What kind of industry? Well, one's in the law enforcement space. Uh, another is a software tech company. Um, you know, another is in the space, pharmaceutical space. space. You know, everything is right. Space. That's a, that's a word that tech people use. When they, in the law enforcement space, uh, you wouldn't say that, it, it, you know, unless there was tech involved, I don't think. We, we don't want to no, pry, no. James, but what, is, no, what do you no, mean? I, I, so, so, so a few years ago, uh, brainstorming, we came up with an idea for a device that shoots out a metal cable uh, and wraps you within 20 feet of where you're standing. So if you if you say if an officer says hands up and you don't put your hands up, we could wrap you. It's called Wrap Technologies. We recently went public and uh, we're we're being tested out in almost every police uh, uh, you know agency in the country and 27 other countries. So that's it's right a, out of Batman. Yeah, it's a it's a totally non-lethal. It's the only non-lethal weapon because Taser is known to be lethal. This one doesn't hurt. I've been wrapped a million times. It's it's not. It doesn't hurt. But if you we don't want to hear about your sex life. Uh, this is a uh, yeah. I see it online here with Maria Maria Bartiromo. She's yeah. still hot. Um, uh, I'm going on her show uh, Tuesday. Yeah, she, she's really pretty. Anyway, um, yeah, it's uh, that's a wrap. New Taser light technology targets with rope. Oh, good luck with that. That sounds. Well, we, we, we certainly we need. Say, we we need literally say lethal, every day. Obviously, non-lethal technology is very important, especially nowadays. You know, with uh, the focus on police brutality and police killings, but just you know, in general, we we uh, we need good non-lethal technology. Um, what have, so that's what you've been doing. Don't don't stop me from bombing or killing on the comedy stage. <laughs> um, we have. Um, is, 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 is um is Emily uh, standing by? We have um, Emily Esposito is joining us briefly. Not she yet. Is the daughter of pardon? Not yet. Wait. Okay. So what else, James? What about uh what what do you what do you see about? I know you're into things. What about herd immunity? New York is has herd immunity. You think? Yeah, I, I well, it's hard to say because you see with all these states that seem fine, they opened up their universities and then they get this spike in cases, and then there's the what does immunity even mean? Do we really know that this virus hasn't even been around a year? We don't know what immunity means, which is why I don't quite look. We all hope for a vaccine, but do you guys trust that we'll find one? I mean, there's no vaccine for other no. coronaviruses. I think it's absurd. What are other Thank you, Dr. Ashenbrand. What are some of the other coronaviruses? The common cold. I mean, there's never been a vaccine in the history of the world that's been developed that quickly, Dr. Natterman. Oh, shut up, Periel. It's true. Well, look, I, look, I would love it if there was one, but 
again, you do have well, to that test. That was the question. The question was, will there be a vaccine be developed? Not will it be developed this year? And by the way, there's never been this many resources and energy put into a vaccine either. This is unprecedented. So I, I, I kind of lean towards, though, there's going to be medicines to alleviate symptoms. And then this will we don't know what immunity means. We don't know how much it mutates. There's so many things we don't well, okay. know. Just okay. when I talk to epidemiologists, they, they don't seem to know. OK, but despite Periel, Dr. Ashenbrand, uh, you know, why are you telling me to shut up? Because it's, this is a comedy seller podcast now. <laughs> no, I meant it. Because so rude. Because it's not back. I take it back. Go ahead. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> because it it's beneath you. Forgive me to say something so with such surety, assuredness of something you have absolutely no expertise in, despite the fact that we see newspaper articles in the New York Times and see experts saying actually. They're in phase three trials. The results have been very promising. They expect, I even saw one article that said that they think the, vac the vaccine immunity will, will, will uh, 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 be superior to the regular immunity that you'd get from getting the virus, which surprised me. And so I understand taking everything with a grain of salt, but do you have some biological expertise here that you know that what you're reading is just a bunch of bull? I just, I, I'm just not buying it. I think it's a lot of media hype. And Emily's here. Yeah, well, you're doing the same well, thing. That, now, there's a reason to respond. I'm just not buying it. Well, but that's, a lot what, of that's, hype. What people, that's what people say when they say global warming doesn't exist. Well, it's hype and I'm not buying it. And, yeah, you, yeah. and you would make fun of them for that. You would say they're anti-science. We should have my virologist friend back on, Dr. Pillai. Anyway, uh, this, uh, uh, Emily... Uh, Esposito is the daughter of one of our comedy seller comedians, John Joseph Esposito, better but, known as John. Bring her on, but I just want to say, but, but James, here's the thing. One thing is for sure. In the places that have been hit hard, New York City, London, Sweden, they're not getting spikes like the places that were never hit. That's for sure. Right. And I don't believe they're wearing more masks than any place else. So no, I, I agree. And look, Sweden, um, they're fine. Like their uh, Stockholm's economy is, it has been hit, but they're coming back. You know, London, I don't know enough about. London, they opened the pubs already. Well, you know, look, we. Well, it, it, it's even unclear. We don't really know how this is transmitted, to be honest. Emily, we don't really know anything yet. Emily, Emily is interesting, Noam, because she is a well-adjusted daughter of a comedian, I think. Oh, you haven't seen her when she's been drinking. I haven't seen Emily, how are you? Emily? Emily? Hello. Emily, can we, can we have your video? We can only see your face uh, not moving. You, you oh, there you go. Oh, that was very good, right on cue. <laughs> um, I was just introducing you. You're the daughter of a beloved uh, John Joseph Esposito. We call him John Joseph. He's a comedian that works at The Cellar, and he's probably as com as comedians go i don't know there's probably as good parents that are comedians maybe very few uh you know he is a devoted man that's been married to the same woman uh for his whole life and they have two daughters that he absolutely adores emily before we get it i know you're here for a specific reason but before we get into that um how great is your father john joseph esposito my father, John Joseph Esposito, is a pretty great man. Oh, 
I have FaceTimed him about Hey, four kids, times. come here. I want you to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, uh, I FaceTimed him since 7 o'clock to now about four times oh. because he thought this was live. So even though he's been on it, he's right. done this. He was asking me live. where the YouTube link was so he could watch it. Well, you know, men of a certain age are not necessarily plugged in technologically. Uh, not wrong. But in any case, and you're an actress. You've decided to follow your father into show business. Um, and Worst decision of my life. Yeah. Well, it was still time to back out of it, by the way. Yeah, no, I, uh, that's, that's what I'm doing because uh, this is the worst idea ever. Well, Emily, we happen to know that you got into it just as James has bequeathed that it's dead. <laughs> there is, <laughs> there is, no, there is no more show business. But so. I, I, I don't want it to be dead. I, should, <laughs> I, I have to keep adding. <laughs> uh, yes, I read the article, as did many of my friends. <laughs> I By the way, Jane, did you, did you know it was going to go viral when you wrote it? No, I put this, like, for my friends and other things. Like, I didn't, like, literally, my kids are getting hate mail from their friends parents can I, can I tell you who sent it to me on the first day it was out oh. tyler cowan you know tyler cowan the yeah yeah he's a good friend of mine oh Maybe yeah so more. He, is that did you had so that how he knew about it he knew about it because he's a friend of yours yeah he's with my pocket he was on my podcast at the beginning of the lockdown where he did say the ridiculous comment that we could probably stay locked down until 2022 and i was like that is insane you're an economist but he is one of the smartest people i know um, so I, I should I should be full disclosure here. So like so he sent it to me, and I said, you know, I really like James. He's a he's a he's a friend and he's a good guy. But sometimes I think there's some smoke and mirrors going on here. Like I I just didn't like I I just can't I just can't accept that New York is is dying. Well, but, just look at the content of the article though. Like, I, like I, I, where I, am I wrong? Yeah, I, yeah. I want to be wrong. Yeah. Well, I'll we've had this discussion. How did Bitcoin turn out for you? Well, Bitcoin I recommended when it was around thirty five hundred, and now it's around twelve thousand. Oh, so, so, it, so it didn't do as well as you said. <laughs> no, no, nobody's <laughs> underperformed. No, nobody's complaining though. Um, go ahead, go ahead. Well, uh, so Emily, you came on for a very specific reason. I did to promote something that is very dear to your heart. Yes, it so was. Tell us um, about that. An I hate James Club. Uh, <laughs> Everybody, my whole family's. Oh, hey, James. James is entitled to his analysis. I'm kidding. I don't even know him. Sure, he's fabulous. Um, my, the reason I'm here is because I started a Rock the Vote campaign because we need people to get registered and get voting and make a change so we can all stop complaining about this country. I haven't been complaining. Well, then you don't need to vote, <laughs> no. You, this excludes you. <laughs> oh, by the way, Emily, I have a question for you. Like, yes. when I was researching this article, I, or actually about a week before, I didn't realize this, but everyone always complains about de Blasio, and now I understand why. Only 8% of voters turned out for the last mayoral election. So I do think on local, 8%. So I do believe on local, we realize now that's incredibly important. Yes. Well, we all agree that high voter turnout, it's a good thing when people are engaged. I guess you could argue that it's, we only want people to vote that agree with us. Um, well, yes, but the biggest no, thing I, I don't agree with that. I think everybody should be engaged and should vote and should put in the time and the effort to research the candidates 
and and to vote uh, for the best candidate. An engaged society can't help but be a better society. So we're we, even if even if uh, even if you're not on on the same side of the political fence. But so it's just a website people can go to. Yes. Well, first, the biggest thing I've been hearing from people is it doesn't matter. It's not going to make a difference if I vote or not, which is the biggest problem. People think they don't matter. And that's why only 8% of people go out and vote. So that's what I would love to change. I would love people to think they do matter. So I have an Instagram and a Facebook page called at rock the vote raffle. So if you go to this page, you follow it, and you send in a snapshot of your confirmation of registration. Um, once you send that to me, you get entered into a raffle. And this raffle, uh, you can win fun prizes from people in the entertainment business. Ask James for some free cover charges to, to stand up in New York. You yeah, I, I will James offer will that. definitely be involved. He'll write a whole article about you. It's going to be great. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll have to recant my article from several years ago that said never vote again. But oh, good, good. <laughs> I'm really that. happy I'm on with him. This is perfect. Um, so prizes are like a comedian or an actress or a singer will send you a personalized video message like Cameo or you'll get signed merchandise, or like in the year 2022, you can get a hug from somebody. Like it's gonna, it's gonna be great. Lots of different prizes. Now, uh, let me just be devil's advocate here for a second. Cause I don't like what you said here. I, I, I see a contradiction in what you're saying here. Who, me? Yeah, you're saying on the one hand, you're saying you want everybody to vote because voting is a, a virtuous thing to do. Yeah. And then you're saying you need to do it so we can make a change, which yeah. only implied that you want them to vote for Biden. I know. Okay. I want that change. However, <laughs> it is your right. It is everybody's right to have their opinion heard. Just like I don't agree with James, but he has the right to say whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> so if James. you say that and I want to say something different, that's okay. So is it rock the vote? Wasn't that the MTV thing, rock the vote? Yeah, it's a campaign off of that. You can start your own campaign off of Rock the Vote and then do whatever you want with it. So I got my own little starter kit from Rock the Vote. Rock is dead. Rock. They should call it Rap the Vote. I mean, I mean. Why, why did you decide to no, do this? You like... start Rap the Vote. I'll stick to Rock the Vote. <laughs> who listens to Rock anymore? Who, who? It's Rock the Vote Raffle. Uh, Emily, why did you do, why did you start this? Um, because I'm an actress and I can't do anything. And it kills me not to be able to create or do something with the right side of my brain. And one day I just said, I got to do something. And this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to. I said, nobody can argue with the virtue of voting, even though no one, no one believes you have a specific political agenda. But that I believe. I, I think you can take that to the bank, Dan. I'm not pushing that agenda on anybody, Gnome. All I'm pushing is register. That's it. All no, I want people to do is register. The rock the vote. How do, you, how do you go to your specific rock the vote page? You go to Instagram or Facebook and do the little at thing and do rock the vote raffle. Rock the vote raffle. Okay. Well, Can I, I asked James a question. Uh, what did Tyler, because you, did you speak to Tyler Cowan about this article? No, I haven't spoken to him since March. Oh, I'm very curious to know what he thinks well, about Mark it. Mark Cuban tweeted back. Emily, you can stay for this discussion if you yeah, like. Stay, Emily. Mark Cuban tweeted um, 
back at – I was very impressed, by the way, that Mark Cuban, like, responded to you directly. Well, Mark, uh, Mark Cuban I've known for, for 23 years. Well, Mark Cuban responded to you basically saying – you're full of, what you're saying is full of shit. No, he, he did not say that. He just said, nope, I'm going to be here as an investor when, and he implied when prices get low enough. And I said, I, you know, he said New York City rebounds. And I said, I hope you're right. And he, you know, we texted. He liked my tweet. Um, we just, he, he's willing to buy when all the, when all the buildings go bankrupt, he, he'll be a buyer. Okay, but he doesn't, see, he doesn't agree with your assessment that New York is doomed. Yeah, uh, he doesn't agree with that, but he's he's thinking also very long term that eventually a, there's going to be bankruptcies and cheap prices. Well, now he's a billionaire, so I'm just looking at you two. I'm saying, well, you're a you're a millionaire, James, and you've done well, but he's a billionaire, so I got to believe him. Uh, you, yeah, <laughs> believe him. I I anybody can believe whatever they want. All I said were facts, which is. These are the, the, this is the situation of the companies that have announced that they're remote. Here are the restaurants that are bankrupt. Here is the commercial real estate situation. Here's the, re the record number of vacancies. All of this has already been in the news. I just am putting the facts in one place. What do, you, what do your children think of your analysis? The young people like Emily, your children are not quite Emily's age. My, my, my daughter just signed a lease, uh, which I paid for in the East Village. But go ahead, Dan. Yes, or no? well, I'm saying, do they, do they, do they say, do they, are they um, reacting harshly to your article? No, because again, to your point and everybody's point, young people are going to move here. There's going to be some cultural activity. It's not like this is going to be a, a wasteland, but it's just the New York City that we all know is is gone. It's gonna, you know, the, it's the finances are upside down. Many companies are going bankrupt more than we would like. Uh, you know, to to Emily's point about not doing any acting, acting is not going to start up for another eight months at least, and maybe more. And then we just got the message today about comedy and dancing in in places, and so they know what's the reality. Also, it's just they're trying to figure out what to do whilst, you know, I have five kids living in the city. So they're all trying to figure out what to do next. James, James by the way, his family is what we call him. Uh, was it called reconstituted or is that a yes. word? Yeah. Two are mine. Three are my wife's. Two are yours, three are your wife. But you, you, you have embraced those three of your wife's kids as your own kids. Yeah. They don't have a, they don't have a dad. They don't have a dad. Okay. Yeah. Um, James, will you talk, will you ask Tyler what he thinks about your article? I'm very, he's always right. He is. Well, I did not agree with him when he said that the United States can have an economic lockdown until at least 2022. I think that's financially correct, but not um, psychologically correct, as we see from all the unrest that's happening right now. Financially he's, he's, keen, he's keen to that. He understands the, the unrest. I, I don't know if he did in, in March because we discussed that. He thought that the Fed, and by the way, I've spoken to governors of the Federal Reserve. They are willing to pay for a lockdown through 2022. They, there's infinite money in the U.S. And people say, oh, you can't print money forever. That is incorrect. But I don't think psychologically no, nobody wants things to be locked down any more than they are right now. Um, I, I'd like to have you on again so you explain to us what it means to print money forever. But yeah, uh, Tyler is almost always correct. Um, he is and, super smart. I mean, yeah. he is one of the highest IQ people I've ever met. Emily, are you are you living in Manhattan? I want to bring Emily into it a little bit. But... That's fine. I 
I like listening. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm in Astoria and I'm moving apartments this week. Where are you moving? I'm staying in Astoria, just a different place. Astoria was my first place in the city when I lived on my own. I like it here. And, and By the way, I, I, I will say this about Zoom. I don't ever want to do a podcast in person again. I will say that. Yeah, like, I've done a hundred of these now remote. It's great. I, I like it because I, I find it easier to face off against somebody when I'm not in their physical presence. I don't feel intimidated or worried in the same way. But, but no, don't, yeah. don't you miss like at the end when we shut off the sound, we all had the makeout session at the end. Like, don't you miss those? Like, it was very intimate. James, when, when we used to finish those things, like you couldn't leave fast enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I'm no, kidding. I know that's true. I know that's true. No, no, no. I, I would like <laughs> to hang out. With, no, I don't say I don't ever want to go and hang out with people again. And I, and I li love to hang out with you, honestly. And, and you're not even a good example. So sometimes we have a guest and... It would. I'd be intimidated in person. Like, if, what if I'm too strong and then I have to see them after? Whatever it is. Now it's like, okay, goodbye, click, and you're done. And also, just it's kind of like kind of like wearing sunglasses gives you a certain kind of or mask gives you a certain feeling of disconnected, which allows you to speak more freely. I know Howard Stern would always wear those dark glasses when he was doing those interviews, and I think that was partly the same thing. I just kind of like not being. One thing way. about Zoom um, is. Is um, James, you know, you talk a lot about how Zoom has taught us that we don't need to be in each other's presence. It's also taught us that we do need to be in each other's presence because I'm going crazy over here. I mean, I've been Zooming uh, and it's just not a reasonable substitute. I've been at Zoom birthday parties, I've been at Zoom uh, Passover Seders, I've done many Zoom podcasts. I and agree with it you, Dan. There's no substitute for the, the psychological need for person to person contact has actually been, in my mind, reinforced, reinforced, you understand, by the Zoom experience. So but I don't know if that means you would want to be around the cubicles of fellow lawyers or if you want to be around your friends. And I get that. Like, you want to be around friends. I wouldn't know anything about bringing in the cubicle of fellow lawyers. Yeah. And I don't know the logistics of law firms. Because you failed the bar exam, but okay. Well, I, I didn't fail it like Kamala did the first time. And Hillary did too. By the way, I mean, I know everybody's saying Kamala's a genius. Kamala. Brilliant. She's a Kamala. I'm sorry. She's not a genius. She's brilliant. She's not. I don't brilliant. know if there's any evidence for it. I think she's competent. I don't know if she's brilliant. Listen. I think they're giving her more credit than. Listen, than, than, I, I saw you like this. I saw a headline today. This, this is this is the amount of of um, uh, whatever the, you know, like the, the 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 way everybody's getting behind Kamala Harris. The amount of uh, hey geography is that the word? There was uh, well shit. Hold on. There was I just saw this um, great use of hagiography. That's that the, the first time I have ever heard that in a sentence. I, I don't even know if I pronounced it right. But anyway, no, I, there was there was a, there was a uh, article today in the Washington Post. This this is literally the headline of the article. Kamala, can you see it? No, you can't see it. Kamala Harris's dad was from Jamaica, where a fierce woman warrior once fought slavery. And just in case you're wondering, there is absolutely no relationship in the story between Kamala Harris's dad and the fierce woman who fought slavery. They literally just had to, it's as if like, like so-and-so's dad was from Germany where Hitler exterminated the Jews. Like it, it's, this is not serious what they're doing. So yeah, of course they're saying she's brilliant. I think that, um, uh, you know, it, it's, I think it's perfectly valid to say 
the article talked that we're talking about her failing the bar, talked about how she'd always aced the test and she was a very, very serious student. It's perfectly valid to, to question how somebody brilliant who was always on top of their studying failed the bar exam. I mean, I'm not saying she's stupid, but that's not, that's not the mark of brilliance, is it? Um, but more importantly, we talk about this, the Times, Vox.com, Reason, uh, Atlantic, I think I'm maybe forgetting one other source, all have written articles saying that this woman fought to keep innocent people in prison who had already been exonerated, and she still fought to keep them in prison, which to me is what you call a human rights violation. And the reason that this is just, everybody's just averting their eyes from this and pretending it didn't happen, I cannot understand. And I was all in for Susan Rice, even though I don't agree with her politically. But Kamala Harris, to me, if you fight to keep somebody in prison when they're innocent, you, you, there's a special place in hell for you. That is, I, there's not much things you can do worse as someone in government than well, to fight I mean, to keep someone innocent like in prison. Job of a, a pro, I don't like prosecutors no. in general because they're all not, like don't, that. No, it's not the job of a pros, job of prosecutors to, is to put guilty people in prison. I know. Well, that's what theoretically, yeah, but they don't seem to think that. I mean, All right, so, so then let's forgive, let's forgive the cops who, who, who bust innocent people too, because I mean, that, that's what they do. I mean, that's a ridiculous ex excuse. Not an excuse. I'm just saying that I don't like prosecutors as a general matter. My experiences on grand jury duty left a very uh, bad taste in my mouth for prosecutors in general. They tend to be like that. But what, well, fine. That's, yeah, maybe she, none of them should be what present. What she's done is worse than what's happening now. I think what's happening now. What's uh in 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 terms of uh putting innocent people in jail and and brutality and in I, just innocent people dying. I I don't know about I don't know where where innocent people. I'm just innocent. I don't know where innocent people are going to jail. I mean, I'm naive about this. I I believe that that people for low-level crimes are going to jail that shouldn't be going to jail. Emily, Emily, yes, it is worse. Uh, yeah, I mean, if someone goes to jail for a low-level low crime, you can advocate that the law be changed, but at least that's not corruption. That is the lawmakers created the law. So you don't you, think there's any corruption going on now? No, I, 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 this is what everybody's doing. We can talk about that, and I probably agree with you on most of what you're saying, but what I'm saying is that for you, for a human being to know that someone is innocent, has been exonerated, and then attempts to keep them in jail is so deeply evil. I mean, let's, let's, let's put it in perspective. Kavanaugh was accused of groping a woman when he was a 16-year-old minor drunk in, in high school. That's all. Never even got her clothes. You know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing the accusation, even though it's not proven. And he, the, he rolled over on the bed and that was the end of it. And women were literally ready to throw themselves in front of tanks because he is disqualified. He did this 30 years ago. He groped this woman. And I was saying, on the other hand, a full grown woman who is the attorney general of California can fight to keep an innocent person in prison. And that's not, you know, all right, whatever. Come on. Things like things happen. I mean, the hypocrisy is, is, how can you swallow that? It was two years ago we were hearing that Bill Clinton was being reevaluated. Gillibrand said he shouldn't have been, he should have been in peace, he should have resigned. There were columns after columns saying, how do we get Bill Clinton wrong? How do we get Bill Clinton wrong? And then all of a sudden, I mean, Me Too was so 2018, I guess, because all of a sudden he's speaking at the convention again. But they went crazy about Louis C.K. They went fucking crazy with me about Louis C.K. 
But Bill Clinton, you know, we, we'd all kind of come around to the idea that he probably did rape Juanita Broderick. That was kind of, that was what we said when we were trying to get Roy Moore out of the picture. We even had Al Franken resign for it. And now, I, you know, so now you got in the year of Me Too and Black Lives Matter, you have one guy speaking there who credibly accused of rape and another woman there who's credibly accused of keeping innocent people in prison, more than one. And I say, what do they take us for? Like, you want me to vote? I'm not voting. I'm not voting for either of these parties. They, well, they're yes, horrible. You're, oh, you're going to vote all right now. I'm, I'm I mean, gonna, and, and, and by the way, and what I'm saying is unassailable. You can't, you can't argue with what I'm saying. There's well, no but excuse. I've got to pick one, so I'm going to make sure that you do. I don't want you weaseling out of this. I want you to pick one, and then we're going to discuss it on the show. Even kids in cages, when I, and I was revolted by the kids in cages. Even that has an explanation which you can follow step by step and see how we wound up in that situation where people are coming over the border with their kids. You can't just have a rule that says if you get in, you can stay. So they were incarcerating them. Then somebody sued and the ACLU. So the judge rules that, no, you have to incarcerate them separately. So now they're incarcerated separately. And, and, you, know, and, and you can see how we wound up in that situation, which is why even Obama did it. But to be clear, much less than Trump did it. But even that to me is another universe from keeping innocent people in prison after they're exonerated. I mean, that's, that's just, that's what Fidel Castro does. That's not what a, an American elected official does. That's what a despot does. Be that as it may, Noam, we yeah. have two choices and you're going to pick one. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, guess, I guess the choice in that place is to pick Biden because he's more likely to bail New York out. Like once we get, let's abandon all principle and just do what's best for ourselves, right? Well, however you want to make the decision, but I don't want, because like, you didn't vote in 2016. I just, I guess what I'm just saying is I don't understand how, like the Democrats have such an opportunity here to really take the high road. They could have gotten rid of Bill Clinton. They could have nominated some woman with a nice clean record, you know, virginal uh, record. Instead, they went back to the well for this old sexual harasser and this harsh prosecutor accused of, you know, horrendous things. What is, what, what's with them? Why are they doing that? Why do they have to make it so easy? Why can't they take the high road and, and do what's right? Well, we, 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 we can discuss it on a future episode. We have plenty of time before the election to get to the bottom of all of those issues. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who do you think they should have um, nominated? I'm just curious. Vice president? No, for, for president. Oh, I think Biden, you know, presuming that he's, uh, his head is, is on straight, uh, uh, and I'm not, I'm not one of the people who says he's senile, but I understand it's a possibility. I think Biden was a perfectly reasonable nominee, um, and I think as vice president, he should not have limited himself to some sort of quota system, but if they were going to... The uh, person you were speaking about. What's that? Yeah, you said something about a, a virginal candidate. Who was that? Yeah, who is the virginal candidate? No, when I say virginal, I'm saying they, they, no, Biden, Biden is not accused of anything horrible as far as I know. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the vice president. I'm talking about who they have speaking at the, at the, let me put it another way. More than ever, the Democratic Party, their agenda, they have no real agenda, really. So what their real agenda is, we stand for social justice. We stand against all that crap. And that, Me Too, Black Lives Matter, this is what they stand for now, right? I mean, nobody cares about fiddling with the tax code yet again. And so why would they then go back to Bill Clinton and then choose a prosecutor who was accused, not by Fox News, 
but by Vox.com of keeping innocent people in prison, of fighting to present, also fighting to prevent someone on death row who was likely innocent from getting a $12 DNA test. She wanted to see him executed. She didn't want to get, no, 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 don't let him, don't let him, don't give him that DNA test. God forbid he should prove that actually he was, he's not the guy. How can they nominate somebody like that? It all says to me, they don't stand for what they claim to stand for. They're just, they're just playing politics somehow. It's very disappointing. I mean, I would have nominated Susan Harris, Susan Rice, because um, uh, she, you know, Biden might be out of the picture on January 19th. They need somebody who's really ready to take on the world immediately. And she has the experience. And if you have to have a black woman, then she's the only one I think that really had the real life experience. And by the way, she's also fucking brilliant. First in her class, Rhodes Scholar, uh, fancy dissertations. I mean, if you look at Susan Rice's resume, it is unbelievable. She is stone cold brilliant. And yes, she made some mistakes in her past, but she probably learned from them. Who hasn't made mistakes? Lincoln made terrible mistakes in the Civil War. So, you know, that's what I would say. But I'm just very disappointed in the Democrats. And I feel like they're gaslighting me. Like, you know, you know, all that stuff we said about Harris, you know, you know, forget it. The New York Times. Oh, you forget about those stuff, those articles we wrote. You know, now she's now she's picked vice president. Great. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I can't disagree with what you said, but we have a we choice. Could. We have a choice to make in November. And uh, in a binary choice. You got to choose the lesser of two evils. Absolutely. We'll hey, why is it binary? Uh, I'm in the birthday party, Kanye West, all the way. <laughs> well, maybe. How could you not join the birthday party? <laughs> By the birthday party, are we? So it's eight twenty. We've been doing an hour twenty minutes. Noam, do you wish to continue, or or should we save some uh, some subject matter for future episodes? No, and- I'm going to be harping on this over and over, probably until election day. Because you don't need to keep harping tonight. It truly bothers me. I mean, it truly I bothers. Could not me. tell. <laughs> and, I mean, I, it, what's bothering me is not just that it's true, but that not a single person. And, and, you know, I speak to real life journalists, you know, and they're, and they're all, you know, pretty left wing and none of them have an answer to this. They just, if they, if they just take, they do like an ostrich and put their head in the sound or they say something about Trump and they're right about Trump, but my God, it's inexcusable. I haven't, I haven't heard a single rational response to it. Even even James, the great James Altucher, has been has been silent on this. Well, I I, I bet on talking, it's hard. Rice, but uh, I don't really know. Yeah, Rice would have been great. Um, say say, but Emily, give give uh, your father warm regards from all of us. Obviously, where where is he? Is he in Long Island? He is. He is at home with my mom, watching bunnies and birds in the backyard. And the marriage is holding steady despite him being home 24-7. They are both alive, so it's a win. Okay. Uh, by, by the way, James, I would have preferred one of those Midwestern governors or, <laughs> or, or, or Pete Buttigieg. You know, obviously, I, I prefer the most moderate Democrat, but Biden, you know, is not the end of the world to me. For some kind of return to normalcy would be nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to an Andrew Yang one day. Yeah, I'd be fine with Andrew Yang, too. I think quite often, I don't even care what they're really saying. I just size them up. I'd be happy with Bloomberg, too, by the way. I want somebody who's smart and, I mean, look, the stuff that Senator Obama said, 
had very little relationship to what President Obama did or didn't do. I mean, President Senator Obama never thought he was going to be dropping drones on uh, tents and, and, you know, women and children. The point is that you, you need someone who's smart enough and flexible enough to when he finally sits in that chair, weighs things intelligently and it gets the best opinions around him. Just and like then does what we have right now. Thing. Right, the opposite of what we, what we have right now. And I, so, so, no, so, my, so Andrew Yang, you know, may seem kind of flaky about certain things, but on the other hand, he seemed like a pretty fucking smart guy yeah, who would yeah. probably be pretty data-based and make some pretty smart decisions, you know? And that's what we need. Well, Noam, I think we need to save some for, uh, for next time. Dan? Yeah. Biden, Biden, of course, recommended Biden. against, <laughs> Biden, of course, recommended against getting Bin Laden. It's just worth saying. And Bob Gates, President Obama's defense secretary, said that Biden was wrong about every single decision that came across his desk or something like that. So there is, there is reason to worry. There's a lot of reason to worry. <laughs> I, I would like to know why the zebra behind you, Dan, has not moved for the past hour and 25 minutes. Is that a fake background, Dan? <laughs> well, it, is. <laughs> it is very patiently stalking his prey. I don't know if a zebra is a, a, a predatory animal, but let's just say that he's stalking his prey. And so he's lying in wait for, for his prey. Um, also, the clouds haven't moved either. But in any case, Noam, are we are we ready to sign off? I mean, I got nothing to do. If we're in the olive tree, I'd be wanting to go. But since I'm in Zoom, like it's well, me meander. And <laughs> we can sign off, and if you want to come back on and 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 talk, that's fine. But I think for a night, you know, for the a nice tight show, uh, yeah, the I truth think is, I was so dark after I read that article that I literally read it like 15 minutes before it came on about how they're not going to allow comedy to open. That this was actually a pleasant experience for me. Because it made me forget about it for a little bit. I I was just sick over this. It's 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 crazy when they don't understand that uncertainty is often worse than bad rules. So when they just spring these rules on us, it's it's scary. Well, are we at the 15, 15 days to slow slow the spread? Are we there? Are we there yet? Have we done the fifteen? They, days? they say regardless of phase. But what is that? What are they saying exactly? Can you, can you sign off and then we can continue talking? Yeah. Why? Well, because it, it, all right. Okay. I just, <laughs> I like I, a nice, tight, cohesive okay. package. Well, you can leave. If you want to hang up, if you got, want to stop listening out there in TV land, you can. It says currently there is no, no, I'm reading the wrong thing. Uh, it said that, here it is. You can share it. I enabled screen sharing. Okay, I will share it. And Emily, don't feel like we're holding you hostage. Emily, Emily, are you socializing? Emily's so star for companionship. She wants to stay. Well, this I'm actually interested in. So. Have you been socializing? Oh, as opposed to the other stuff. As <laughs> 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 opposed clap to the diatribe I just witnessed. <laughs> Well, that's wrong, you? Emily. You should be interested. In, you should be interested. In, you want to live in the bubble? Uh, no, yeah. I, I am interested in, in the things you have to say. Yeah. Um, I'm a very reasonable person. You sound reasonable. Yeah. No, I truly am reasonable. I listen to reason. Performers uh, should be at least 12. I don't, I don't hear your father, to be honest with you, voicing strong political opinions. So I'm a little in the dark as to where he is. John, are you kidding? He's out there blasting Trump on Facebook all the time. Oh, shut yeah. up. He, he is, and he, he does. He does it pretty well. So, like, pro-Trump? 
No, yeah. blasting, blasting, hitting Bla him. I, yeah, yeah. I understand, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I misheard your words. Blasting yeah, like, yeah. A, like a TNT. Uh, uh, that's because it's just so easy. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, here, can you read it, Periel? Did you finish? If offering music indoors, blah, 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 blah. Yes, if offering music indoors or out, all relevant aspects of the uh, must be followed, blah, blah, blah. Performers, all other forms of live entertainment, such as exotic dancing, comedy shows, etc., are not permissible currently, regardless of phase. So this means that comedy was allowed, and now it's yes. not Well, it was allowed given the phase. If, if the phase allowed it, it would have been allowed. So music is allowed, but not comedy? Is that, is that correct? No. No. Music, no comedy. Pardon? No music. No music, no comedy. Oh, I, okay. and, and this is indefinitely? What, did they give a time frame? Well, nobody knows until they- No, until so they this was phase. in phase four, which correct me if I'm wrong, which was coming up, we were going to be allowed comedy indoors. No, we didn't know. But the presumption, my presumption was that whenever they did allow indoor dining, at that point, we would be Got able it. to have attendant comedy even and I was prepared to not have show times or cover charges. I suspected they, they might come back with a rule about that because they don't want lines and they don't want but but just I was happy just to open the olive tree and the pussycat for dinner and stuff and have people come in and form and have comedians go on informally. Hey, no, I have a question for you. Yeah. What if what if um, it wasn't quite a walk-in experience, but a club experience? So in other words, in, people could come into the Olive Tree for indoor dining, and if they become an annual member of the Comedy Cellar Club, they can then go see comedy. Is there, are the rules different for private clubs? I, I don't know the answer, but generally when it comes to matters of health, technicalities are not see are, are, don't don't work you know yeah so i would doubt it no one wants to to do that i mean i you know no you know i i i would guess no one doesn't want to get involved with having a comedy seller club with a membership you know well, look i was i was quite respectful of all the rules and and i never even privately periel knows i spoke i was never saying they need to fuck it up in the restaurants I was prepared to wait until it's safe, but what it does bother me that if they decide that indoor dining is safe, that they won't then allow a comedian behind a plexiglass shield to speak. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's just, I mean, that's you know, just, also, by the way, this is not legal. Like if anybody sues, they're going to win. It's not, you can't, you can't be prevented from conducting business without due process. I don't know. I mean, in what is it? What state? Wisconsin or Minnesota? One of these states, they, uh, at least two states have won in their Supreme Court over this. Uh, I, 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 that's a good question. I don't know. We should get into legal action. I imagine that in matters of public health, uh, they have rights. The government has rights to do certain things. What exactly are we waiting for? We were waiting. We were trying to slow the spread, flatten the curve. Now it seems like we're just waiting for a vaccine. Yeah. Well, and by the way, maybe those, those cases you're talking about, they were more like equal protection. Like if, if they're going to, if they're going to, if they're going to have a rule about these people, it can't be totally unfair to those people. There has to be some rational reason that they regulate these people and not those people. So if you can have 50 people here, you can't really say you can't have 50 people at a church or something like that. That I would get. But I think they can close things down. Uh, you're right, Dan. I mean, way, way back when, when Yasha Mount told, you know, was telling us to close and I was speaking to him and I thought he was right. I said to him, but, you know, all these issues are going to be 
the same once we try to open again because it's a very interesting thing in life and in business that nothing you think you're doing something temporary a temporary fix a temporary measure but more often than not you can't break out of it it, it actually becomes permanent so once you close down we're just going to close down temporarily until we flatten the curve but once you're from that position it's very very difficult to open up because at that point you're making a decision now to allow the curve to rise again in some way meaning allowing people to die and, and you can't do it and look the the opening of colleges in the past week or two you know there's been spikes in cases in every state where they've opened colleges so they're getting their cues from that but no I'm also this is my point that you say oh when covid's gone things will come back to normal it's not going to be back to normal even when covid's gone like there's going to be lingering effects of this you know grasping of power from the government and it's a slippery slope a little bit that, that we've we've entered that we we don't really know when we're going to get off this slope by the way james you'll like this i did the math 20 percent of people 80 years old die with if they have covid so if you have 100 people 80 years old you'll produce 20 deaths statistically do you know how many 25 year olds you have to have to get covid to get 20 deaths uh 40,000. 20,000. Okay. 20, 180 year olds is worth 20,000 young adults. Which is, by the way, almost the reverse of the flu. Like, flu, yeah. kids die from the flu. Yeah. So, but, I think you know, we've so, learned a lot about the virus, but you know, have the, not adjusted policy. Of those, it seems like they could have opened colleges. I think they could. They could have, they could have had everybody come, you know, quarantine for two. It seems to me that if they keep people, tell me if I'm wrong. These college kids. They're wrong. No, if they're in college, then they're under a kind of quasi-authoritarian rule there when you can go out, when you can leave. You know, college, colleges have a lot of control over their students. So they're going to try to get these people not to get sick. But if they don't go to college, they're not staying home in plastic bubbles. They're going to go out and party and go to bars or go to houses or whatever it is. So the, the net lives saved. I don't think there's going to be any net lives saved. As a matter of fact, I bet you more young adults are going to die in remote college situations because after, because it's going to go out searching for something to do than they will in a controlled college environment where they could quarantine everybody for two weeks and then say nobody leaves campus except following these particular do we protocols. Do have any idea among the 20,000, 25-year-olds that you mentioned? Yeah. You said for every 20,000, 25-year-olds that gets corona, one dies or 20 dies, I guess, 20 dies. 20. Um, do we have any idea? 0.02%. Can we, can we ascertain who those 20 are likely to be so that we can get an even finer kind of... Um, oh, yeah, probably a lot of them have pre-existing conditions, yeah. You know, are, the, are, the, are those 20 all diabetic? Because they're probably... 20, if you take 20,000, 25-year-olds, probably 20 of them are diabetic. Or have congenital heart issues or what have oh, you. But, they, but those also have to be the 20 people that catch it. So, right. Anyway, well, yeah. So in any... By the way, these colleges also, like, let's take, you know, Columbia as an example. Last week they said, oh, we were going to have on-campus learning. Now we're going to be all remote. But sorry, we're not going to reduce tuition at all. Zero. And so I wonder how long colleges are going to be able to get away with, with this little scam. Can I tell you something? My niece is supposed lives in Tel Aviv. She's supposed to start uh, her freshman year of Harvard in the fall, and it's completely closed down. 
I mean, they're not letting any international kids come in full stop. Like, it's all online. It's crazy. Yeah, and they're not reducing tuition is my guess. My kid was going to start at Columbia in the fall. It's crazy. Anyway, we've really verged onto an entirely new topic. Um, so let's... Right, let's end. Let, let's bid our farewell. James, thank you so much in the height of um, your virality to... Is that a word? Virality? That means he has a, a, a hard on. I appreciate it. A viral it. video is what you mean. So... Um, we're getting James hot off his uh, viral uh, fame. My just general viralness. <laughs> <laughs> and Emily Esposito, once again, rock the vote raffle on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, yes. Unless you're gnome, then don't, don't go there. You'll hate it. And, and remember this, everybody. If you ever hear a, a, a headline that the comedy seller is dead forever... You can probably still see a show that night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to it. <laughs> okay. All right. Podcast at ComedyCellar.com is how you contact us with, inform with uh, questions, comments, and suggestions. And, and, and James. You can follow us out live from the table on Instagram. Read James. If you haven't read James' article, New York is dead forever, here's why. James, contact Tyler. I'm really curious to know what he says. And All right. I'll, I'll call him tonight. And uh, um, be safe. You're All right, you guys, too. Thanks a lot. Thanks, I, I, thanks, everybody. I like you a lot. I'm happy that you bought Sandham, New York. Me, too. Thanks, yeah. you guys. See you soon. Bye, everyone. You can also um, watch us on YouTube. This isn't just audio. Listen, Dan is gone. Do we have a few words to say about Dan? <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. <laughs>